Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that you lead us all the way, even through the dark valleys. Uh, we know that in, on the other end is going to be light and hope and blessing and reward. And uh, Lord, we know that sometimes we don't get to see all those things in this life. Hebrews 11 talks about a number of people who died without receiving the promise. And uh, so we expect the same is true, but, but that's why it's hope, because we cannot see it. If we could see it, it wouldn't be hope. And so we have a confident expectation in what you will accomplish through us, and we know that you are a good God and that you lead us through all of life. We're thankful that you lead us to rest and to safety, and we pray that you would uh, strengthen us now. Lord, we, we want to consider this morning how to, to use this class and this series of classes to, to uh, help grow each one of us in the faith. And so we pray that you'd help us to think rightly about how we can use your word and and use this instrument uh, of this class to be able to to uh, shape us and mold us and to challenge us in our thinking, and we pray for your help in that. Lord, we pray for um, Jonathan's uh, dad as he's expecting to come this morning, and I pray that that we would be able to be an encouragement to him and and uh, Lord, we we pray for uh, others here who are. Uh, struggling, think of Stacy and and her family as they struggle with the the loss of her father, and we just pray that you continue to strengthen them and and give them grace. Lord, thank you for this time that we can have together, and we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, young people, this is the last time you're going to be up here for a while. Thank you for coming up here and and bearing with me while we uh, work through some of these things. I think it's important for us, that, and the reason I wanted you to be here and your teachers is um, because I think membership is critically important to our understanding of, um, of church life. And so I wanted to, to make sure that that was an important thing uh, that, that's emphasized here at our church because if we fail on membership, we're going to fail in a lot of other areas. Um, we, we will have a congregation that is not very carefully um, controlled and covered. Uh, that is, we allow people into the congregation who may or may not be believers. And so co- that's why membership is important. We, we guard the front door of the church and we open up the back door. Um, okay, and, and what the, I mean by that, I mentioned before, is we, we make it very, uh, we have a very careful process that we go through in order to welcome someone into a church and then we also are willing to remove someone from the church if they don't um, agree to what to what we do. Now, that doesn't mean they have to agree with every single thing. Okay, We have a stated set of things that we are going to agree to, state the, our statement of faith. And then we have a stated, thing, uh, stated set of activities that we ex- expect each person to do. That is, that is the church covenant. It's inside of the hymnal. Uh, if you ever need to, to uh, look at it, it's on our website as well. So today, this class, I want to have you consider why we go through this Sunday school class. This is a, a series that I started back in, in 2009, and and it's going to continue on for the next several years, um, foreseeable years, I guess. Um, I, I anticipate to continue to do this. But, but so this morning, I want to talk about why I think this class is so important to our 
biblical understanding. So let me begin with an illustration. Suppose that you are a single parent and you ended up in a coma, unable to care for your child who was two years old at the time that you went into the coma. And after 20 years of being in the coma, you awoke. And you finally get to meet with your child who was cared for by your sister and her husband. And as you talk with your child, who's now 24 years old, you realize that he has no solid communication skills. He, he, he's not very developed as far as his thinking. And so you approach your sister and your brother-in-law and say, what's going on all these years, right? And they say, well, you know, we never sent your child to school. He didn't really want to go. And so we let him stay home and play. And, and we figured he'd pick up some skills through the school of hard knocks, you know, just, just through experience of life. What would your child be like if, if he or she never went to school? I mean, from the ages of 5 until 18, your child never learned how to read, to do math, to do problem solving, never learns personal discipline, didn't understand the concept of time, never could understand the principle of using of not using double negatives. Okay, that was never used, never not used, I don't know. It, there's a joke in there somewhere, but... Or what if, suppose our government decided, you know, starting in the fall of 2016, we're not going to allow anyone to go to school. No public schools, no Christian schools, no home schools, no, no school at all. And they made it illegal to actually train your children in the disciplines of life. I mean, as parents, we would be outraged, wouldn't we? Because our child need needs to go to school. They need to have a structured and organized environment where, where, where they can learn. They need age-appropriate learning. That is, based on where they are in their skills, they, they learn something to build on what they've learned from before. And the purpose of all that is so that at graduation, our child is a well-rounded, well-studied, knowledgeable, understanding young man or woman who's now able to have enough to be some kind of benefit to themselves, their family, and society. We expect that. We, we expect that process to happen, that process of, of uh, education. And yet, sometimes I think when it comes to the spiritual life, we expect believers to go from newly saved spiritual infants to mature saints without ever uh, thinking through some of the important topics and, and issues that, that we are supposed to know with regard to the Scripture. I mean, I think sometimes we, we, we wonder why people aren't growing spiritually when there's no kind of formal training or, or help with regard to the things of the Scripture. And, and we wonder why that we're so surprised when a person can be, you know, uh, uh, elderly when it comes to how long that they've been saved. They can be, they can have a, num- a number of years that have passed under the bridge of life and yet still be spiritually wallowing in infancy. How, how, can, that, how can this be? 
Um, the author of Hebrews warns the, the believers that he's writing to that, that now, by now some of you should be teachers. And sometimes we get stuck on some of the basic things of the Christian life because we haven't, um, we haven't thought carefully about how these things all work together. We have a uh, Jennifer has a cousin whose son, when he was young, was unable at very, I mean, even as he started to get older, to be at, he was unable to eat solid foods. Uh, when he was young, his uh, his parents didn't really give him anything to to help advance him when 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 he could have been advanced in his ability to eat. And amazingly, that's that's some that's actually a building block that you need that that you start out with with the the milk and then you move up to more solid foods to 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 cheerios and then and then you know you don't move right from milk to steak or anything like that but but you move gradually don't you and for that for them they didn't do that with their son and so when he was five years old he was taking pureed food to to kindergarten and they started calling in all these doctors and trying to figure out what was going on and um He's much older now, and he's doing fine. Um, they they had to go through some 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 uh, serious treatments in order to help him to to learn how to be able to eat. But I think sometimes we we just expect this kind of thing to just automatically happen, and yet we we need to be thoughtful about it. And so what what I want to do is over the next six years is to work through this class at this time, ten o'clock a class that I call spiritual success. And I call it spiritual success on the basis of Joshua. You know, that if you... Well, let's just turn there. Joshua chapter 1. Okay, so don't think, um, you know, Joel Osteen type of success here. That's not what I have in mind. I'm talking more about spiritual success in, in the best biblical sense of the term, That that when we meditate on the things of God when we consider His truth and when we try to correlate it uh, with other doctrines and things that we know about God, then we will have good success. So here's Joshua um, challenging the people here uh, prior to going into the promised land. Verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land when I, uh, which I swore to the fathers to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. So there's the first time it's used there. Verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. So two times he says, listen, listen to the words of God. Follow after what God has called for you to do and you will have success. And so this class is a, a formal kind of method of learning for us to, to correlate the doctrines of Scripture. So, so you recognize that, that there are two types of learning that we need. We do need expositional teaching. That's what I try to do every time that I preach. I try to preach from a text of Scripture, show you that the meaning of the text is the, and the point of the text is the point of the sermon. That's the 
that's the point. Okay, so we, I try to do that every time I preach, and that's good to just walk through the issues that God wants us to know. We're not trying to make up issues as we go, and, and here's what I think is most important. No, we're, we're just studying what does God want us to know and systematically working our way through the Bible. So that's important. We need to, to have that. But we also need to have, I think, a doctrinal section, a practical type section where uh, teaching, where like in this sort of class, we're, we're talking about different um, topics that we can consider. And, and then as you have both that expositional teaching and the, the topical type teaching, those things work together. Um, and, um, and you start to see how the whole Bible fits together. So let me begin with course objections in a high school or college class. A lot of times the teacher starts with course objectives, but we're going to start with course objections. So why would I want to take a class like this? I mean, here's the first objection. I don't see the point of it. I mean, why, why do this? Well, again, I think if you think about yourself in terms of where you were five or six years ago, what were you like as a believer? Has there been any significant change or have you been pretty stagnant over those last five years? Now, now think with me five or six years from now, do you want to be dealing with the same spiritual problems that you're dealing with today? I mean, think, think about how much more mature that we as a congregation will be spiritually if we allow God's truth to saturate our minds. That's what these classes are designed to do. They're designed to be Bible-saturated truth that's, that's practically played out into our lives, into the life of our church, into the lives of us individually. How much more mature will we be spiritually if we engage our minds on the truth of Scripture? You may be wondering why God has stunted your growth spiritually. It could be a result of suppressing God's truth. It could be a result of just not listening to Him. And, and as your pastor, I'm trying to do my part to help cultivate a heart that is receptive to God's truth. In fact, that is one of the parts of the Great Commission that you make disciples of all nations and you teach them how to observe everything that I've commanded. This class is very helpful in doing that. I try to do that when I preach as well, but, but, but this class is helpful as well. I want to cultivate a heart that not only knows what the right thing to do is, but I want to cultivate a heart through the power of the Spirit, obviously, but I want to cultivate a heart that, that knows how to do it and, and says, God, I'm coming to you for help and, and I know how to, to get there. Imagine the fruit that could come if you commit yourself to to this kind of understanding, to seek God's will and purpose. Notice this uh, this uh, quotation in the bottom of the first page. There might be better placed up towards the top, but but here's uh, John Piper on this. He says, "One can only pity the poor souls who, for fear of finding out too much, never approach the sacred mountains." mountains, but stand off and chirp ironically about how one should preserve and appreciate mystery. So, it's like you're going on an adventure, you see these mountains up ahead, and you've got this adventurous friend who says, you know, let's go check out and see some of the, the glories of these mountains. And instead, you say, you know, you know, let's just enjoy the mystery of these mountains. And, and Piper's saying that's the way it is a lot of times with us as Christians that we have these great majestic mountains in front of us 
that God has put okay, in His Word, and instead of going out and exploring them and seeing the great majesties that God has provided for us, we sit back on the sidelines and say, you know, I'll just sit back and enjoy the mysteries of it. And I think if you allow the Spirit to work through you by learning something from each one of these classes and engaging your minds regarding the things of God, but asking God for wisdom, then I can guarantee that you will be miles ahead of where you are now spiritually. You will have good success. You'll have a better understanding of Scripture. You'll have a better understanding of life. And you'll have a better understanding of God's desire for your life. So, first objection, I don't see the point in in, uh, participating. I think there's great value to it. Secondly, I've already taken this class. How many of you were here in September of 2009? Anybody? Okay, several. Okay. Okay, so how many of you were in, let's say, just more than half of the classes since 2009? Of these classes. Some of you have other responsibilities, but... Okay, so there's a few. So you might, some of you might be thinking, well, you know, I've already taken this class. Turn to Second Peter chapter 1. There are several reasons why you're, you're going to want to, to work through this again. Second Peter chapter 1. And notice what Peter says. This is, this is a pastor's favorite verse here. Not favorite, but one of his favorites. Okay, because it tells me that I don't have to come up with brand new things. I don't have to keep uh, worrying about trying to, 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 to uh, come up with some really interesting ideas. Would someone read verse 12? Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth, which is Christ. Okay, so what's Peter saying here? He says, I'm not going to stop reminding you of what you already know. You already know this, but, but my job is to keep reminding you of it. Isn't that the nature of, of us, excuse me, as, as Christians? That, that we forget the, the great works of God or we forget how to apply them? It's not that we don't know them. You know, I hope you don't come every week and go, wow, that's brand new stuff. I've never thought about that before. There, there will be cases where you're taught new things. That's okay. okay but, but if that's constantly the case, then, then that's either a problem in the preaching or in you. Okay, but, but, but what Peter says is, I'm not going to stop reminding you of what you already know. Paul's the same way. He wants to teach them the whole counsel of God, but what happens when they know the whole counsel of God? I would say it all comes down to precision. It comes down to precision. It's not just having like a fuzzy idea of what we kind of are supposed to do. It's about precision. And, and it is about precision in so many things in life. And I, I was just thinking of a couple examples. Cake. We like cake. How, how good of a cake would you have if, if you used the same precision that you used to understand the Scriptures to make your cake? It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, Quarter teaspoon of salt, we'll just kind of guess. I say salt because Jennifer always jokes every time I make something, it's always too salty. But two teaspoons, you know, salt apparently pulls out the flavors. That's what it's supposed to do. And um, I apparently do it too much. So, so precision is key. What if we drove down the street with the kind of precision that we use to understand the Scriptures? Or what if we train for sports with the kind of 
passive pursuit of precision. You know, it's not that big of a deal that we know exactly what we need to do. Or, you know, if I'm a surgeon doing some surgery on a person, it doesn't really matter if I do handle it exactly correctly, precisely. Okay, that, that's what the Christian life is about. It's about precision. And, and we work to understand it more and more so that we can be better at, at being Christians. We can get better at being Christians. And I think each one of us need it again. You know, if you went through all these classes and you, you remember everything that I said from each of those classes, then I, I'll give you a pass to check out. Okay, You can check out, you can doze off, do whatever you need to do. Um, if you remember everything from those classes. But, but here's the thing. is Even if you do, every time we hear something and then hear it again, we actually we are reminded of the importance of that. It actually helps to ingrain itself deeper into our minds so that it becomes more part of our permanent knowledge. And the other thing that you have to keep in mind, if you've been in through this already and you're thinking, you know, yeah, I've already had that class of membership. I've already had that class on on uh, prayer and, and whatever. Um, you have to recognize, too, that I've actually grown, hopefully, in my understanding over the last six years as well. Right? I, I have uh, a, a more precise view of what I understand theologically. You know, when I started, I was just coming out of seminary. Now I have, I've been able to study half of the scriptures with you in just the, the, the services that we've had. I've also been able to go through the same material that you are going through. And so I have a better understanding, and so that's going to help inform my teaching going forward. And it will help in explanations and, and ability to answer questions and so on. So I think there's so many more, so much more value to taking this against. Some of you, um, you know, you have other responsibilities inside of the church or, or you know, younger people, you're in a Sunday school class. Um, maybe some of you didn't make this class very much of a priority. Can I just encourage you that you will gain much from this class if you just commit yourself to it? So I'm going to be here at 9.45 every Sunday morning so I can be ready to go at 10 and um, be ready to learn from what God has. Objection number three, I don't want to learn anymore. I just want to come to church for social reasons, um, for fellowship. Uh, just quick response to that from Proverbs 1.5. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. So so a fool is a person who's not willing to learn anymore. Just like, you know what? I'm done. I, I, I've got it all figured out. And you see that kind of person. You, you see someone who's acting foolishly, if not an actual fool. Um, the difference, by the way, is a fool is an unbeliever. Uh, I think when it's talking about in Proverbs, but I think we can act foolishly. We can follow those those bad examples. Turn to Philippians one six because here's the next objection. Philippians one six. You know we we believe very strongly that God is sovereign over all things, and we believe that because I think the scriptures teach that. And so we could come across a passage like this that promises that God will sovereignly work in you to produce good works, to produce discipleship, to produce change. And we might take that and think, well, if God's going to do it, then I don't have to do anything. I can just kind of float. Look at verse 6. It says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So has God begun a good work in you through salvation? Has God saved you? Okay, then the promise here for you is that God will continue it 
until the day of salvation. He will finish the work so that you will be glorified. So we could say, you know, since that's the case, then I, I just don't have to do anything. Turn to chapter 2. And here here is how I think um, God's sovereignty and our responsibility work together. In verses 12 and 13, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So there's a command for us to actually take responsibility and do something. Work out the salvation that God started in you. And notice how this happens. Verse 13, For it is God who is at work within within you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So God's saying, listen, I'm going to accomplish what I... I'm going to finish what I started in you. But do you know how I'm going to do that? I'm going to do that through verse 12. By you working out what I'm working in you. You know, like in, in 1 Peter, he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And then at the end of the, 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 that same chapter, he says, and God will keep your hearts. I will, God will keep you in the lo- in His love. So it's like, we keep ourselves in the love of God as God keeps us. So that's how it works. The Spirit's working in us to accomplish the work that God is already doing. So in other words, God ordains the means, but He also ordains the end. The, he ordains the ends, but He also ordains the means. And so we shouldn't just, especially as people who believe strongly in the sovereignty of God, think that we can just do nothing. We can sit back and, and do nothing. So again, why I go through this class, I think... Um, some of this we already answered in the objections, so I'll, I'll move through these pretty quickly. But I think discipleship, spiritual growth is important for personal spiritual health. Okay, so going through this class will help you spiritually. Um, it should give you some stability and some answers to some some important questions. Um, I think it's critical for our growth as a church. You know, as a congregation, you you your Christian life is not just about you. It's also about this congregation. And so we as a whole need to be growing and and being changed. And I think uh as I mentioned earlier, Matthew eighteen, Jesus taught us that if we're going to be a church in good order, that we need to teach people how to obey everything that Christ has commanded us. So it's not just enough to, to to make converts or just make people who know the, all the right answers. We need to make disciples. And that includes making sure that everybody knows how to obey what Christ commanded. All right, the goal of this class is to train us in our discipleship and to equip us for the work of the ministry. What you're going to find is is in these classes, we'll go through what we're going to be covering here in just a minute, but... But in these courses um, of study, we're going to be looking at very practical ways that we can be used in ministry. So how is it that we, we are used within the, the membership of this body? How is it that we can be an encouragement? How can we help disciple other people? And so on. And so the goal is to train us in our discipleship so that we can, in turn, um, be equipped to do the work of the ministry. All right, let's look at the structure on the, the third page, the the middle page on the right. And this is subject to change, but this is a general outline of what classes we intend to do. Some of them have changed. There's another reason why, if you've already taken this, 
why it would be helpful for you to go through it again, uh, because some of the classes have changed. I added a couple and and um, changed the length of a couple others that I thought maybe I dragged down a little too long. All right, so you look at the top there under category, Fundamentals of Christianity. So we have several classes under just the fundamentals of the faith. And these are important for all Christians. These are extremely helpful. We went through these the first time. I found myself very much helped by this. Um, and um, this first one is Membership Matters. We're finishing that one up today. And so next time that I'm here, uh, we'll be doing Essentials of the Christian Faith. We're talking about some of the basics like prayer and reading the Scriptures and um, and uh, studying the Scriptures with the, with the church within the context of a a preaching sermon, so on. And then cultivating a relationship with God. It's talking about, again, some, using some of the basic means of grace that God has provided for us to be able to grow our relationship with God. Is your relationship with God where it ought to be, where it needs to be, where you want it to be? And if the answer to that is no, then this class will be extremely helpful in thinking through those sorts of things. And then evangelism basics. So if we have a responsibility to share the gospel with other people, then how do we do that? And uh, last year we went through the bridge track and just did six weeks through the bridge track. Ken Whitworth actually taught that uh, while I was teaching a membership class. And um, and this year we're going to go through Two Ways to Live, another good track that, that we have. I think we have some out there. Um, and... Um, and so we'll talk about just some of the basics of... And, and as you learn these things, it helps you to not have to be stuck to a script. You you just know the basics of of evangelism and you're able to, to speak them. Here's a new one that, that we're um, actually swapping out. We we did a class on the fear of man. And, and it, some of that study was a little bit more um, psychological, I guess. Than I than I liked, so after going through it, I thought you know better class would be Baptist essentials. So we're going to work through some of the basics of the Baptists and and why we believe what we believe in that regard. And then a seven week class on life as a believer. So inside the local body of the church, what are we supposed to be and do? And then making wise choices. This is um, largely based on the book Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung, which I highly recommend. It's a book that just um, it, it very helpfully shows us how to make choices in life. You know, sometimes we overcomplicate it, especially we who believe in the sovereignty of God. We overcomplicate it, and we think, you know, um, you know, we, there's some magical path that we have to go down, and if we mess up here, then then the path down there is going to be messed up, and and we can never recover from that sort of thing, and. And um, this class is one of the most practically helpful classes, I think, that, that we have here. So those are some of the fundamentals of Christianity. And then um, one of my favorite studies here is this next category, the biblical overview, how to study the Bible. And we might shorten that from 12 weeks. I need to go back to my notes and, and see if I can co- consolidate some of that. But but how to study the Bible um, just some practical tips and how we study. Not in order to preach necessarily, although I'll, I'll tell you how I do. Um, but but how do we look at the Bible and 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 to know what what is true? Because there's so many like differing opinions. How can we know what is of God, right? And then survey of the Old Testament will be 
basically a half a year, and then survey the New Testament be another quarter of a year. And then next is history and theology. Uh, church history, 15 weeks. And again, so much good stuff in here to remind us about where we came from. You know, we, I think people who have a background and, and a, a thought of what's happened in the past, not only in the Scriptures but in church history, they, they can use those kinds of things to help inform their decisions as they move forward. And, and people with a good, solid foundation of history um, can, can really help themselves and others in making decisions. So um, we learn from so many things, but, but we definitely learn from people who've, who've gone before us and either made mistakes or, or made great triumphs through their choices. So that'll be 15 weeks. Dispensationalism, uh, be a little bit shorter than we did last time, but, but um, I think it's still important that we understand that there is an unfolding revelation of God, that God doesn't work the same way with every single person. He works differently with Adam and Eve as He did with Noah as he did with Abraham, as he did with you know the, the New Testament church, as he does with the millennial saints, and so on. So, so we need to recognize there's different um, there's different eras that God has throughout the scriptures and how He works with him, with them. However, there are lots of things that that don't change. Right, the gospel doesn't change. It's always been by faith in the promised Redeemer through grace. Right? It's always been not of works. It's always been a free gift of God that we just received by repentance and faith. That's always been the same. Now, the content of that has changed or the, the awareness of what's there. Like, I mean, when God said to uh, Adam and Eve, or actually to, to, to Satan, that, that, um, that one day your head will be crushed by the seed of the woman. Um, there's a promise there for Adam and Eve that God would somehow bring a deliverer someday. They didn't know his name would be Jesus. They didn't know that he was going to die on the cross. You know, they didn't know he was going to raise from the dead and 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 uh, all those sorts of things. So those those that promise though is still of that same redeemer. And 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 we just become clearer and clearer about who that redeemer is. You know, as the prophets start to tell little details about it, but then as we actually see him come to live on this earth and and die, then we know more about them. And I think dispensationalism is key to properly understanding and interpreting the Scriptures. That is, we, we will interpret the Scriptures different ways based on what we believe about this. And so this helps what I think form for us like a grid by which we look at the Scriptures. So if we think about the Scriptures in this way, then it helps us to understand what these things mean and how it affects our our future, our you know, the future of Christ returning and so on. All right, that was a long commercial for that class. Um, following that will be uh, a half a year of uh, systematic theology. So we'll just go through the major doctrines of theology that I think are, are critical. And basically what theology is is just a way to understand the doctrines of Scripture as a whole. So what we're doing when we study through the Scriptures chapter by chapter and so on, um, we're, we're just trying to unpack what the meaning of that individual text is. But theology takes one specific topic and it, it traces it throughout the whole Scripture. So the doctrine of God. What does the Scripture say about God? That is theology. Uh, what does it say in the early parts of the book, you know, early parts of the Bible all the way to the end? What is the doctrine... What, a, what is 
What does the Bible say about salvation? That's one of the key doctrines of Scripture. And it just traces it all the way through. So um, that will be a great study as well. Then uh, under Christian life, see, we start to move from some of the basics in the first several classes now to more of the specifics and more mature kind of topics, we could say. Uh, some of you, by the way, came in at some point during the study, and so it would be helpful, again, for you to to start back over at the beginning, the classes you missed, and then and then be reminded of these. So here are biblical manhood and womanhood, parenting, life in the body, spiritual disciplines, so we're starting to to move some more to some deeper issues. And then Christian growth. How can I be used to to take what I know and and give it to someone else to to take the message of the gospel. So now instead of a, a 6 weeks 6 week class on evangelism, we're going to have a 14 week class on evangelism called spreading the gospel. Okay? How can I take this message of the gospel to places that have a different culture. That's missions, right? And then biblical counseling. How can I take this message of the gospel and and its implications for my life? How can I apply that to my friend here at this church or my my family member or my coworker? I I need to see them grow in the faith or they're dealing with this specific problem and how can I use the scriptures to help to help um speak to that? Discipling, same sort of idea, um but but more on a a, a broader perspective that it's not just counseling someone else and their challenge they're working through, but, but discipling has more of a positive aspect to it. That is a preventative type of, of um, aspect where we're trying to help see other people, lift them up. What can I do to, to speak the truth in love to someone else within this church and, and to do it for the sake of the body? And then defending the faith, 13 weeks. And then these two classes that we just finished uh, couple months ago, Christians in the Workplace and Managing God's Money. So this entire course will take around 290 weeks if we just did it right in a row. That would be five and a half years. But with all the breaks and, and you know missionaries that come in, vacations, stuff like that, it, it takes about six. I mean, if you just think about it, we had a similar schedule that we started in the fall of '09 and and we just we're just now finishing it five or six weeks ago, so um, whatever that would be, like the end of September. So it took a little bit more than six years, and um, so I think this next one will do about the same. And will we know it all in the end? Will we have all the answers? No, not necessarily. But but I think that we will be miles ahead of where we were when we started, where we were when we first believed, and we'll be able to help other people to be able to, to think through these things as well. All right, so there's my um, class-long commercial on why we need to, to keep working through these things. And um, and uh, I, I'm excited about teaching through these again, and I hope that you are as well. hope there will be a benefit to you. I, I don't want to do it just because, you know, time filler. Just get through this time, and then we get on to the the preaching time, though I, I think it's critical to our life as a church and our life as believers. Anyone have any questions or comments, Bob? Will they be all the online? Um, yeah, I think the majority of them are actually. So you could, um, you know, we've been recording most of these throughout the year. So 
if there's a specific class you, as you're looking through the air, there and you know you're you're teaching downstairs so thinking man I I could really use that one then um or if you want to just go through it as we go through it um I'm not sure if I'm going to replace the old ones but um you know now that I come to think of it uh, there was a change on the website so that, that not all of them are on there so the recent some of the recent ones are um, and it's under a section called audio and then spiritual success. And that section on the website also goes into more detail about why I call it spiritual success. And so you'd, you'd be, you'd do well to just kind of check that out when you're not here, you're working through these, these kind of build on each other. So, you know, if you're going in a seven week class and you go to the first four and you miss the one and then you come back, you might miss out on something that would be helpful. So, as you're going along, you know, if you miss a class, it's helpful just to, to download that. You can even get it on the podcast so it automatically comes to your podcast and um, just in your queue for whenever you are you have time. Yes? Right. Oh, yeah. I'm going to put the new ones on. I'm just saying I I don't know if I'm going to replace the old ones, um, but they, they'll be somewhat similar, hopefully mostly similar, but, but some of them will be, again, informed by some of the things that I've been able to learn. All right, any other questions or comments? I have a comment, but it has nothing to do with your class. It's just something you said to remind me of. Please. I was going to work Friday, and this apologetic teacher said he can't call Jehovah Witnesses a cult because they believe in the Trinity. And I almost wrecked my car. I was so angry. <laughs> Don't do that. I mean, Yeah. I don't know how Christians could listen to him if he don't know any more than that. Yeah. They believe that Christ is uh, the spirit brother of Lucifer or the devil, and that he was created. Yeah. Not God, and he said, "No, they don't." So how can a Christian listen to that? <laughs> Without wrecking their car. That's the question, right? And then he comes up with some off the wall something like that instead of helping me. Yeah. I don't listen to it. Yeah, a lot of. I didn't realize my station was, he was on that particular station. Yeah. Yeah, that's the danger in, in some of, if not a lot of, the radio preachers and the TV preachers is that they're trying to appeal to a larger audience. And so the more that they can say that's ecumenical, friendly to all the denominations and things, then the more appeal that they'll have. They think, um, but but ultimately that's not the goal, right? I mean, the goal is not to appeal to a larger audience. The, the goal is to speak the truth, and to to make sure that that God is is okay with what's being said. So, follow follow up. Okay. Any other thoughts, questions? All right. Let's be dismissed uh, with the word of prayer. Father, thank you for what you have taught to us over these last several years and are thankful for um, the the confidence that we can have in Your Word and how to apply it to our lives. May You use us and advance us and mature us in our faith. Lord, we want to know You more. We want to, we want to be more clear and more precise about how to live for You. Lord, may we not be overwhelmed by our responsibility, but but work hard to 
simplify our responsibilities and and then follow through with with uh, loving and um, faith-filled obedience. We pray in Jesus' name.